Hello, I'm Michael Swaim, and welcome back to Tales from the Pit. This is your content warning. This episode, I'll be speaking once again with Jamila Dawson about what it's like to work as a sex therapist and to generally demystify the practice of sex therapy, but far more potentially traumatic. I have also decided to share some stories from my own wild sexual history in the introduction. Why? Because, much like grief, addiction, and mental illness, I believe that sex, and the wide variety of ways in which it can express itself, desperately needs some destigmatization around it. Shame, guilt, fear, and confusion were all a big part of my early sex life, and I wish I had felt more comfortable discussing what I was going through at the time. And that's not to say that poly or unconventional relationships can never work, they just aren't me. This is the saga of how I came to that realization, at great personal cost, and by showing lots of strangers my wiener. I'd like to point out that no situation I describe or took part in involved anything but full consent from all involved, and safe sex practices were always taken. So this is not a crime scene, just some good old-fashioned mental scarring, the kind I think we all get in our 20s from thinking we know more about ourselves than we actually do. So, <clears throat> yeah, uh, <laughs> Mom, I know you listen to these. Uh, Cousin Samantha, I know you especially like Tales from the Pit. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe seriously just skip this one. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just throwing it out there or just skip the intro at least. After which, I have a perfectly lovely conversation with Jamila that won't make things unbearably awkward at the next family reunion. As for those of you who aren't related to me, prepare for some frank depictions of hilariously awful sex and as little description of my penis as I could get away with. I mean, I'm not a monster. Let's reach back. And no, that's not a reach-around joke, although I do mean it metaphorically. Let's reach far back, into the closet of my psyche, all the way up to the top shelf, past the old ski boots, minor adolescent embarrassments, and DVDs filled with family photos transferred from negatives and then never watched, past the cobwebs, the floppy double-ended dildos, and the deeper shames, even past the unaired series finale episode of Cracked After Hours, which yes, really exists, and no, you will never ever see. Get up on those goddamn tippy toes and reach all the way back to the end, to that forbidden hiding place where the Christmas presents would normally be, except in this metaphor, the present would be a mind present. You get it. Way there, at the back of my brain closet, is an artifact, a vestige from another age, much like my penis itself. It's a slide carousel, and no, not a carousel of wood and pony, but one of boring memories, projected for the whole family to see and lubricated by means that we don't really need to get into right now. Yes, I am aware the box is labeled Old Christmas Tree Lights. That's just because we moved. Please hand me the box. 
Because you see, there's something very special about these slides. These slides were never meant to be seen, and I'm not even totally sure where the images came from. Maybe television. But try as I might, the slides are mine, and the slides are indestructible. And I certainly don't dare take them out with the trash for fear of being blackmailed by a savvy raccoon. So I figure, all else fails, I may as well get it over with and project them and see if that helps them fade. Okay, so this first slide's my penis, uh, but it's flipped. Let me, there we go. It should actually lean to the left like that. You kind of have to squint. It was dark, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, okay. Here's me and my ex, freshly married, driving back from a desert camping trip. That was the first time she suggested that we might want to try an open relationship. We were each other's first hookups. And wouldn't it be fun to see what it's like to be with other people? Spoiler alert. No. All pornography to the contrary. Here's, uh, okay, well, that's my penis again. But there's a point to it this time. <laughs> or should I say there isn't? A point to it because it's see it's flaccid see do you see my flaccid penis there anyway trust me it is they say that the body gives you its own clues in retrospect maybe the fact that 95% of the threesomes trysts and group situations I took part in left me nauseous and unable to achieve an erection were clues who can say certainly not me at age 21 which is why you can see the clear look of surprise and horror in my eyes as that very nice elderly woman removes her dentures in order to service me orally. Yes, this happened. Yes, I was too polite to stop it in the middle. And no, I didn't finish. Although if guys could fake orgasm, for me, this would have been the time. Speaking of variety being the spice of life, as you can see here, all the folks I had sex with during my failed marriage were kind enough to get together and line up, usual suspect style. God, I hope they didn't talk to each other. And to answer your first question, no. Unfortunately, I did not have sex with Benicio Del Toro. I just wanted him in there as a reference point. But I did have some kind of failed or confusing sexual encounter with everyone else in this lineup. And I mean everyone, from toned, milfy soccer moms with husbands who want to watch, to group sex with several very large women at once, to friends and fans, and of course, lots of single folks my own age who knew I was in an open relationship, but that's less juicy. So I photoshopped in a giraffe licking my asshole. See that? Huh? Photoshopped a slide. That's hard to do. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, this is me blowing a few guys. That was actually fun. Seriously, I can see the appeal. Um, although then a guy made out with me and my genetic cisness resonated on a deep level. So for me, lesson learned, the penis is a lovely place to visit. I wouldn't want to live there. Glad I tried it once. Scratch that five times. Fuck. Okay. Um, I don't like this slide. Uh, can we skip this one for now? Thank you. Here's my wife and I promising each other jealousy would never be an issue. Because, of course, by our early 20s, we'd already transcended mere mortal concerns, like emotional reaction. Here's us screaming at each other because she fucked a dude in Spain because she thought I knew she was going to do that, but I didn't. 
So then I fucked someone to make it even, but then it was someone she knew. And I, I didn't know that that was part of the thing, that I wasn't supposed to do that. Um, so we were screaming. See? And, then, and then here's us promising each other jealousy will never become an issue again this time. Here she is telling me that when I touch her, it feels like she's being raped. Here's me sleeping on the floor of my office with the door locked. Here's us promising each other that jealousy will never become an issue again. You know what? There's a lot of those. Let's just move on. Oh, this is me at the pyramids. Nothing to do with the sex stuff. Wrong carousel. Uh, this is my wife and me. And you might not know this if you've never been through the process. Interviewing to be allowed to come to a big orgy party at a mansion in the San Diego Hills. It's exactly like a job interview, except instead of asking about your greatest skills and biggest flaws, they ask about your STD status, if you could possibly bring a unicorn with you, which is an unattached female, and whether you're going to be able to fuck other people in front of one another without jealousy becoming an issue, which we said was not a problem, baby. And I think it's important to say, at no point during the roughly six-year period I'm describing did I ever think anything was wrong except with me? Except with my ability to get in the mix and an and, and F and S with the best of them, you know? I wanted to be, well, Michael Swain, but, but Michael Swain from Agents of Cracked, a liberated magic pansexual hippie who can share his love freely and interchangeably with all of God's creatures except the children and animals, like some Voltron of love and sex. I wanted to live that porn star life. And when I couldn't, the one thing that it never occurred to me to ask myself was if I really wanted to, or if I just thought I wanted to. And if that sounds like you, please ask yourself that question. No one is judging your sex life but you and possibly your partner or partners. But no matter what, your sex life should be fun and it should feel safe. You deserve that. Anyway, this is me at the doctor's office getting my testosterone levels checked because I assumed it was my problem that I didn't come when that dentures lady blew me. I thought I said skip this slide. I don't like, can we just put it at the end? Let's save that slide for the end, please. No fun. Okay, here is us at the swingers party. Huh? Not, uh, you know, eating any of the buffet food, because obviously, watching a bunch of nude people scope each other out. The highlight of the evening? Chilling naked in the hot tub and chatting with older couples. I, I genuinely enjoy just getting to know about them. Uh, if I've ever seen the open relationship thing work well, it has been for middle-aged people who already sort of have their shit figured out. I know, you wish it could be you while you're still young and hot, but that doesn't seem to be how it usually works. The low light of the evening? Anytime I was expected to do something sexual. No wonder we only went back 30 more times, right? Here's me and my wife, and an objectively hot sex kitten type blonde chick, Headed out on the town to have a passionate threesome on the beach. You see, see, that's them making out in the back seat. I'm driving. You can actually, you can catch my eyes in the rear view, silently weeping for reasons I couldn't elucidate at the time. There I was, in the middle of the hypothetical ideal sex scenario, aside from the sand and crevices issues, and all I could think was, why the fuck doesn't my partner want me? 
only me. And why isn't there anyone I can talk to about this? Okay, no getting around it. Last slide. I'm not proud of this one. This is my current partner finding the hard drive of saved sex tapes and pics sent to me over the years by Playmates. She found it early on in our new relationship and it almost destroyed it, and rightly so. I had fallen in love with her before figuring out my own damage, and that made things very, very hard at first. But it was being with Jennifer, with a partner who isn't concerned with power, who vibes with my monogamous savoir-faire, who constantly factors my happiness and well-being into her own calculations that showed me what I'd been missing, showed me where the pain was so that I could start to heal it, showed me where the confusion lied so the fog could begin to clear. And although I'll always regret the pain that she had to endure as a result, I'm so grateful to have her in my life and to have figured out my own place on the sexual spectrum through lots of trial and error. Here's one of my butthole. A couple more buttholes. Butthole. Butthole. That's my taint. And, okay, I think that's it. Thanks for indulging me, everyone. And this concludes your Cinnabon employee training. Um, Because what we settled on was basically just demystifying the process of what a sex therapist is and does. That's right. So I imagine you've got that in your back pocket at any time. But in some ways, that's like people expect something like like a thing. And it's really, it's actually good. This is going to be boring. No, that's fine. That's my responsibility, not yours. Do you mean people, what do people expect? We're rolling, by the way. Oh, (laughs) you. Um, I think, well, one, there's still a lot of misconceptions. People think, uh, one, they don't even know that sex therapists exist. Right. Um, I run into that a lot. Sure. Um, Another thing I run into is like, oh, you have sex with your clients? It's like, yeah. That never occurred to me at all. I have gotten that multiple times. And it's like, no. Um, While I'm a proud proponent of um, sex work, and I think that's important work that's not supported the way that it should be. Um, sex therapists are licensed by the state of California. They do not have sex with their clients. Yes. I think um, there, there was a documentary that did the rounds about uh, a European sex therapist who did have sex with her clients. Oh, wow. As a way to like rekindle things between couples. Was she like licensed by the city or the state or the country? Because that I don't know, but I think the takeaway point is... That doesn't mean that that's what sex therapists right, do. That's right. why that was the subject of a documentary because right, like, it was um, unique. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like she's actually, and here that would be illegal. Um, they right. actually give you a pamphlet. I remember it was in the like Eastern Europe. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, I guess I should do an intro. We're back <laughs> in the pit for another tale from the pit with the fabulous Jamila Dawson. Thank you so much for coming back, Jamila. It's wonderful to be back. I had such a great time before. And Jamila is a well. That was my first question, actually. Is there nomenclature that's more preferred than sex therapist? Or do you call it? No, I am very proud to say I'm a sex therapist. Some people might say, like, they'll go by their license, like, I'm an LMFT. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I wish I could see some of these business cards that says sage. <laughs> sage of boning and bodily juices. No, yeah. I would be shocked and amazed if I saw that. Um, but yeah, like you could say like, oh, I'm an LMFT or I'm a LCSW, but really like I'm very clear about like I help people with sex and relationships. And I know through Jennifer, my lovely other half, LCSW. Uh-huh. Licensed ooh, clinical, cal- social, clinical worker. social worker. <laughs> what is LMFT? Uh, licensed marriage and family therapist. Okay. So okay, they're very great. similar, but just right. slightly, just different consonants. So if you find that a lot of people are not even aware that that's a specialty within therapy, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. let me ask, is it when you're going through the social worker pipeline, like educational pipeline, mm-hmm. Is it presented as an option among the specialties or when did you become aware that sex therapy was a thing Mm. and then follow up? When did you start being interested in being like, I think I, that should be my specialty. Well, they definitely, I wouldn't say that they in school, whether you're an LCSW or an LMFT, I don't think they really talk about, they talk a lot in terms of couples therapy, Very popular. people are still (laughs) really scared to talk about sex. A lot of couples therapists won't actually talk about sex with their clients which doesn't make much sense, does it? At all? At all. My, every couples therapist I've been to, which I think is three or mm-hmm. four, mm-hmm. they'll occasionally feel obliged to say, and how's the sex life? Right. Because the topic is our relationship, but right. that's about it. Right, yeah. and as you said, like, obliged is like, oh, I gotta, I gotta just, right. you know, ask this question. Yeah. When it's like, that's usually what most people are coming in for. Our sex life sucks, or we've got an issue, or we want to try something different. Mm-hmm. Sex, sex. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm very clear. Like, I don't say couples therapist, I say sex therapist. Yeah. Um, and I got into it, thank goodness I was interested in it beforehand, um, because they don't really talk about it in school, but because I had worked at um, adult stores for at that point seven or eight years and knew that I was interested in talking about sex, um, I came to my grad school program with like, no, I'm gonna be a sex therapist. Nice. And so I knew like that was what I wanted my training. Okay, I gotta pause and ask. Any amazing anecdotes from working at sex stores for eight uh, years? So many. Yeah, can um, we get one choice? Oh God, it was crazy thing that happened. <laughs> well, first of all, it was a total. It was a, a total pleasure um, to do that work, and it's. I wish more couples therapists actually had to intern at a sex store. Oh, interesting. Because they'd stop being so judgmental. They'd stop making everything super simple. They'd see that there is such a variety of people out there Mm. um, and that there's a lot of like need and people are going to a sex store. They're not going to a therapist or a doctor. Do you found among sex therapists, people who decided to become sex therapists that they're judgmental about people's sexual proclivities? That's insane to me. (laughs) I one of like I'm passionate about the work that I do in terms of my clinical individual work, but my larger piece is like the sex therapy field radically needs to change. Um, Who's in it, the training we get, the, um, again, how heteronormative it is, Mm -hmm. um, just focused on like, oh, it's basically just men and women, doesn't really talk about trans folk or gender non-conform. Like there's so much that it needs to change. So it's kind of like my bigger, um, but no, when I talk with other sex therapists and they're like, yeah, so my client wants to have anal and like, and I just, I don't, I need, I need peer consultation around that. 
I'm like, mm. no, you go help them have like healthy, <laughs> yeah. safe anal sex. Like that's not a problem. Right. Like there's questions you should ask around like, you know, how's your other, your partner, like how are you two going to do that together? Yeah, right, right. But you don't, and it, like that's not a problem in and of itself. No. So I hear a lot of not. judgmental stuff that comes out of um, a certain a very big broad streak of sex therapists do you find that you hang out with sex therapists a lot socially absolutely not no okay. i don't I hang out with most therapists i was wondering if like, you were the, and you're the one who's always like ah <laughs> shut up that's fine i don't hang out with Listen a lot of therapists up, pretty yeah. much because right, i kept running into that i'm like oh you all were all therapists but you have a really conservative idea about what sex hmm. is and who should be having it and what it should look like right. and that doesn't work for me so there's um, a couple of sex therapists Dr. Chris Donahue who I adore okay. um, his work is brilliant mm-hmm. um, and we're we're a lot on the same page so I love hanging with him nice. um, but yeah for the most part mm-mm. so in terms of working at the, the different adult stores um there's sweet stuff that I've seen. I remember I mm-hmm. met a couple. Uh, they were from India. They had uh, had had an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. They'd only met. Um, I want to say it was a week and a half before wow. they came into the <laughs> store, and they were like, "We want to begin our married lives together. Can you tell us about like toys and?" We need a huge dildo. Yeah. I, if they'd asked that, I would have been like, "Why don't we slow? Ago. Why don't we slow oh, that okay. down a little bit?" All right. But um, <laughs> no, it was really about like they hadn't had sex yet. And oh, so they, they literally were coming in to like, can you help us they learn really about what They really looked out that you were working there. I feel like 90% of the people who work at sex stores must just be on their phone being like, I don't know, dude, I'm just here to make minimum wage. You know what I mean? You know, there's yeah. two different types. There's sure. um, what I call the sticky floor stores, which you okay. can imagine what I mean by that. Which is just high turnover employees who don't give a shit. Exactly. There exactly. Not exactly very sexy. Sure. Like you don't know the products, all of mm-hmm. that. And then there's places that are education based. And that would mm-hmm. be places like Good Vibrations in San Francisco. Um, they're amazing. I love them. I get no yeah. kickbacks. They're just amazing and education based. Any places to recommend in LA? Um, the Pleasure Chest, the staff oh, who work there yeah. <laughs> been there once or twice maybe. no only heard of it what well, I had nothing against going but you sh- i well, tell everybody jen and i only have gone to the ones in the inland empire long story please please <laughs> please go okay and have a different experience sure yeah. because the staff um the staff there they care mm-hmm. they are thoughtful they are non-judgmental they are enthusiastic yeah. i was very proud to to be a, to work there wonderful so, so yeah, so there was like that couple, um, there were people who were curious about things that aren't legal. And so, oh you know, you don't want to shame yeah. somebody, but finding, right. um, a nice human way to say like, I can't sell you anything like that. We okay. don't care anything like that. Sure. Um, what else? Just a lot of, um, people kind of in pain really yeah like wanting to be like i want blowjobs i don't know how (laughs) to like find somebody and tell her what i want or um you know we want to try something kinky and we don't know where to start that kind of thing so that brings me very nicely to my next question which is do you find that is shame the number one issue people are combating when they come to a sex therapist shame and misinformation Okay. Um, I would say like that combination, which can create some really painful knots in people's lives. Right. Because most of us, 
Well, I think a lot of us have some version of cobbling it together from pornography, the yep. birds and the bees story, or like some weird analogy we heard as a right, kid. Right, right. And then like crappy fifth grade sex education. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Just like that's most together. people. Right. You know, and then throw in some maybe cultural conditioning or religious conditioning. Yeah. And it's a lovely, <laughs> right, bouillabaisse of just not goodness. Okay. So. What would you say? Well, for okay, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think this is a good narrative way to start. Ask it. <laughs> How did you start your practice? How do you start building a client base? Mm. And were you nervous, excited? Were your first clients like? Do you remember those as heady days of glory, <laughs> or like finding your feet? And what mm. kind of things have you realized? Oh, mm. this is these are the main issues people come to me with. Mm. Such great. Um. I've, since I knew throughout grad school that I, I was going to walk into um, becoming a sex therapist mm. and had already had that education piece, because um, I taught at the Pleasure Chest and other places, mm-hmm. teaching about anal sex, teaching about fellatio, teaching yeah. about um, female ejaculation. So I had this like massive amount of great information about mm. sex. And, um, and I was very clear with my colleagues, with my professors, like, hey, these are the people I want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, like... LGBTQ straight folk, but it's about sex. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. So um, there was never any like confusion about that piece. I would say, and I I've talked with other sex therapists. I was out. I'm gonna edit where I was, but sure. um, I was talking with somebody who's a sex therapist, and she said that she got bored by some of the the work sometimes in sex therapy or in yeah, traditional in therapy. Sex therapy. Okay. And it made me really sad because I I have been doing, I was a sex educator for eight years. Um, I've been doing my private practice for three years now. Mm-hmm. I don't get bored. Okay. And I guess that's like, what I was wondering is, does everyone who comes to a sex therapist, is it eight out of 10 times they have the same or analogous issue? They've got or similar issues. Because I imagine society... We all live in the same boat that might give us the same issues. Right. Or right. is it incredibly like unique? Well, Every case is, you know. I mean, it's like, would you say like, oh, there's all these different galaxies and they're so dull because it's like, they're it's all, all, it's they're all just galaxies. just a bunch of stars. Right. <laughs> right. And like, yeah. you know, teeming masses of like <laughs> sure. the unknown. Like yeah. it's, which is how I feel about people that okay. even if we're talking about sex, even if it's roughly along the same lines, um, you know, of like shame or disconnection mm-hmm. or um, desire uh, discrepancies. Yeah. The details are fascinating. Yeah. And like, and I, I work for my clients. I want them to have healthy, sexy, yummy, ongoing, dynamic relationships and experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you find you end up beginning that work in a, well, I guess when someone comes to you, are, have, are they already over the nervousness or shame or no i I imagine like even more than a regular therapist you probably have to right there's definitely like opening up phase takes a little while maybe it can and sometimes even if they sometimes they won't even say that they're there for sex therapy they're like our relationship what they mean is their sex box on yelp for a reason or whatever on psychology today database right exactly so it's like i know you're probably here about sex (laughs) and the mistake a lot of therapists make is waiting for the client to talk about sex Mm. they won't for the most (laughs) part if the 
the clinician doesn't say, hey, if you want to talk about sex, if you want to talk yeah. about positions or lubricants or um, explorations you want to try, like yeah. you can do that here. If they don't set the marker, the client, I've talked to so many people like I tried with my therapist, they never mentioned it. And so I didn't feel like I could mention it. And what a waste what of a, money for that. What a waste, <laughs> yeah. a waste of money, energy, time, time yeah. all of it. So I'm very clear about like, no, these are the things. And I'll give them examples. Like, yeah. you know, do you want more long-term therapy? Do you want me to do kind of like coaching with you? Like, we're trying to open our relationship. What are things that we need to know? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because is where's the line between or do you tackle both equally? Uh, is, sex, is sex therapy more about sex coaching <laughs> literally like providing information techniques how to like uh work with your partner or partners in the situation mm -hmm. or is it dealing with your emotional inner life around sex and with it your partner either one and that's why totally i love both. it okay like that's why those so, are so different they are they <laughs> really of clients and that's why i get super um why i'm not bored about my work because sure. i get to support people around um Hey, we want to try BDSM kink for the first time. What should we know? But I grew um, up Mormon and I feel weird about it, right? Right, like there's exactly. So there's many these, different issues. Right, these paradoxes. And mm -hmm. Yes, and it's really the education piece and then whatever, um, either background. Um, you know, I've definitely, and I had it myself. Oh, mm -hmm. as a black person, can I do, am I allowed to like kinky <laughs> sex? Or is right. that just going to make me a free? part of my culture or right. something? Yeah. Right, That's quote unquote white people stuff. <laughs> right. And so I had to do my own work around that. And I certainly support other people around like, no, if you're interested in this, what matters is like consent and enjoyment. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's the baseline. Not certain people get to have certain kinds of sex and others right. don't. So, yeah. Then, so my, the other side of that coin, I would wonder, and this is just conjecture, but how often is it someone coming in with a very, like, not to say this in a negative <laughs> way, but traditional sex life, uh, who is just like, the spark is gone, what do we do? Because yeah. imagine that's got to be the other very popular reason to see a yeah. sex therapist. Okay. Yeah, very common. And, you know, when I worked at the stores, that was maybe one of the most common things we saw were straight couples who had been together for a while and um, were like, we just want more excitement, but we don't really know so what variety. to do. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> right. it's like, oh, well, we can try everything from like, have you ever used a sex toy? Mm. And then sometimes it's walking people down, usually the guys, to be honest. Um, really? Their fear yeah. about sex toys. Oh, you've never had your shirt off in front of her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We're walking you it know, back now. Sometimes it's like we don't even turn the lights on. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, or I've had women who are like, I've never taken off my shirt or my top while mm -hmm. we've had sex. So it was such such wow. a collision course of yeah. um, so many things. But I, I always laugh because there there were a lot of guys who are like, what a sex toy is going to replace me? I don't need that. Like, what's interesting? A lot of a lot threatened of threatened by the sex right. toy. And I'm like, it's a thing. You're a human. A thing cannot replace a human. And also, like, I, I'm kind of a Batman mm -hmm. geek, and I'm like, okay, Batman is an amazing, amazing person, uh -huh. uh, brilliant, gets stuff done, and did he not have a utility belt? And did Batman nipples. not use tools? <laughs> right, yeah. 
and that amazing rubber suit yeah. that now I'm kind of looking back like, oh, <laughs> maybe I have a thing for that too. Well, the but Val it, Kilmer one especially. Yeah. Oh my God. It, it was a mm. little much. Mm. It was, I've seen other movies where that would have been much more appropriate. You know, Joel Schumacher in retrospect, I think was trying to I think we knew. bring the gay agenda to the floor and be like, <laughs> fuck you guys, I'm making gay Batman. <laughs> right. He has a... 21 year old sidekick boy let's stop fucking I think around there's, with right this. there's always been <laughs> a whole like batman is. and rob and some kind of bdsm <laughs> element i mean come on, like he dresses up in rubber and beats people up and then right. go, and like <clears throat> right and really and flies into the night <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right. with the black car yeah I, I have no I'm doubt here yeah. i have no doubt that there's a dungeon in wayne manor oh my gosh yeah <laughs> alfred Getting oh. in on it, <laughs> I'm keeping everything nice and like exactly. the lube is by the bed. Oh, <laughs> see, there's that's Alfred's a good man, <laughs> just serving everyone's needs. See, I know I have no doubt that that Alfred is deeply service oriented, and yeah. I am. Those people are close to my heart. But it was so. Yeah, you see a lot of um, how do we get the spark back, and then more and more, I'm mm-hmm. seeing how do we navigate opening up a relationship, um, because poly and open relationships are. I wouldn't say they've like hit critical mass, but more and more people are wanting to experiment. Okay, so let's take those one at a time. <laughs> are there common themes among people who want to get the spark back? Is like com- advice that you could give our listeners? I would broadly. say a, a lot of times it's accepting or becoming curious. A lot of times people stop being curious mm-hmm. about their partner um, or they're judgmental of like, oh, you're into that as opposed to, <laughs> oh, you're into that. Yeah. And then slowing down to see, hey, am I into that? Mm-hmm. Am I into it? Um, maybe I'm not totally turned on by it, but it's hot that you're into it. So, but th- I, be- I think people are caught in thinking that sex is this, um, like, n- there's normal sex and then everything else. Mm-hmm. When really, most of us are turned on by a huge variety of things if we'd let ourselves. Yeah. And so I really like people to, um, when you're having sex, to slow down and actually feel different sensations or try different ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. Try different positions. Um, I talk about layering sensation. A lot of times we just like turn the lights off and like go to it. Right. And instead, literally like, you don't have to put on Barry Manilow or Barry White, but like, is there music that like is hot to you? Are there- I was just flashing back to the Seinfeld where George Costanza eats a pastrami on rye while they're having sex. And to me, I'm like, (laughs) if that's hot to you- The difference is he's hiding it from the partner. That's the problem. It's like taking a bite and And then going back to to sex. And (laughs) I think any partner could feel the increasing aroma of- George, what are you doing? Right, like something's wrong. <laughs> What's going on? And to me, like you could share that the things that make your sexuality totally unique are actually things that could bond the couple even further. If you want to share a plate of spaghetti while you get it on, who's it hurt? Right. If it worked for ladies and the tramp, like <laughs> exactly. why can't it work for us? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say that, and then people both. Um, Again, I, I see this more in um, cis straight couples, but focusing on what I call the Bermuda Triangle, which is like nipple, nipple, clit, nipple, nipple, <laughs> penis, nipple, nipple, like okay. just focusing. Male nipples. Incredibly. Which they can be under, quite sensitive. Yeah, super not. Because also, well, I'm huge into, I mean, I'm working with my writing partner on a film that is in large part about this topic, but oh. as the generation raised where it's a big shift where my dad, his memories of porn were 
scrambled spice channel and like finding a playboy in the woods my memories of porn were the second i first became aware of having sexual feelings Mm -hmm. seeing anything that any human had ever done (laughs) for free immediately on the internet by typing in words like challenging myself like (laughs) you know i don't know fishing line splooge Water and then, right. like, and see, and then up comes, comes up. right, not just one, but like, but a, like you find a subgenre of fetish you didn't that know you existed. never knew could possibly exist. And I think it's uh, a major difference. I just got to say, a big casualty in that whole thing, unless you have a diet of gay porn too, is male nipples. You never see straight porn where they service the nipples. No, no, it's like straight downtown. It's it is. And that, that's actually been really interesting, people realizing, um, I know a lot of people, straight people who watch gay porn, um, because it has a whole different vibe to it. Right. Um, but yeah, like, focusing on, like, men's nipples, most men do not know their other erogenous zones. Like, they're mm-hmm. just like, penis, 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 penis. <laughs> And I'm like, and it's lovely and great yeah, and work yeah. on that. But I would, like, if you, your body mm-hmm. is a playground. Yeah. And I would love if more men were more comfortable um, receiving a variety of sensation and allowing themselves to experience. Do you find explore. that's a hang up that yeah. a lot of men feel like as the man, they're the giver of sex? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like even, you know, you laugh when sure. you say that it really is like, oh, I do the thing. And usually I do the things like, at her. <laughs> yeah. The right. Sex right. Not with her. Right. <laughs> right. I do sex things at her. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, you're losing out on receiving not just like an amazing blowjob, but also like all the other things that the human body is capable of, not a man's body, but a Mm. human body. And it also robs women too, straight women of like getting, like playing with power dynamics and exploring what they're capable of. It's like, I, yes, but I'm someone whose empathy is, which is interestingly mm -hmm. why a poly relationship doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. in my case Mm -hmm. is, uh, I really, I'm a very strong romantic and I really have the, uh, empathy thing where what turns me on the most is that I can tell she's having a great time. Like it's uh-huh. really working uh-huh. and That's real. I would never want to rob her of that. Like, I feel like reciprocally, mm-hmm. it's probably very exciting to her to know that like she loves me and I'm feeling super good <laughs> and she's doing like a good job in that sense. Not that it's like pejorative, but mm-hmm. you know but what like I mean? Like pleasuring. the pleasure circle is, yeah, it would be so weird if I was only to receive pleasure, mm-hmm. which is why ultimately for me, it turned out poly didn't really work because for me, I could never get to know someone well enough that I could put myself in their head. And then, yeah. And like, I've had long talks with, well, lots of male and female friends, but Mm -hmm. I just remember my dad saying when I was like in my twenties, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's people who could have sex with a hole in the wall and the physical pleasure in their body is right. Is enjoyable enough. Yeah. Uh And then there's people like really, have to be involved in it emotionally and as a storyteller i just think i don't know or it was encoded from me at a young age by watching hallmark movies but yeah i have the romantic (laughs) aspect maybe that yeah yeah i mean that's what's so like the what i I would say what i really run into is this binary way of thinking about bodies and about sex Mm -hmm. and 
it's so easy to get trapped in those, oh, it's either I could get off with a hole in the wall or I need to be deeply connected to somebody. Ah. And I sidestep all of that. Okay. Because again, like I think of people like galaxies. So I'm like, a galaxy isn't this binary thing. It's you have your own planets, with your own solar systems with mm-hmm. them, your whole, um, all these shifting dynamics. And that's what I'm interested in, not this either or. People get trapped by the binary all the time. And I say sidestep that and figure out, oh, I, because I listen to you and Mm -hmm. not that you need to be poly or anything, but um, if you have this amazing capacity to care deeply and to be deeply romantic to somebody, I'm like, well, there are people who would appreciate that deeply and who would allow themselves to be known deeply. That's true. And that, there's only so much time in the day. <laughs> and that, I think, when I talk with um, poly people, that's, that's what they what run really up against. Is. Oh, do poly people complain about, oh, like... polysaturated, the term. That's so, yeah. Of, like, is, time, I'm deeply money. in love with all three partners, but... But I gotta go to work. Out of time. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that's literally what happens if like I can't I can love more people, but I'm actually bound by time, space and economics. And I but yeah. That's but interesting. The, I mean, and it's like you said, everyone's life is just a unique, beautiful journey mm-hmm. that has to figure itself out. But the mm-hmm. same could be said of imbalance in any direction. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who often overcommits to work ahead of time, uh-huh. realizes I bit off more than I could chew, and then and here you are, has uh, you know a horrible time of it, and to like <laughs> chug through the work. Mm-hmm. And I could see that happening in a poly relationship. Right, where you might be like, oh, I could be totally available. Love is great. And I've discovered I can have the capacity to truly love, let's say, a dozen people. (laughs) That doesn't mean you literally have enough hours to do that. (laughs) Like, And have a job. Like, yeah. Right. You're like, if that were my job. (laughs) If you're independently wealthy, maybe, sure. And that's the thing. I think there's a lot more people who are independently wealthy. Do you worry about because that makes me think of and i know i don't mean to compare polyamory to like uh let's say something pejorative mormon (laughs) driven bigamy where it's Uh, like the dude and he ranks his wives and they live in different floors of the house Mm -hmm. um but in being open about all the permutations that love and sex can take Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. how do you get how do you navigate the compass of because obviously there can be such a thing as power dynamics that are now mm. no longer that are actually someone exploiting the other person. And I imagine that's so tough if you like, right. we're both into BDSM. So it's, looks, yeah. it looks like a power dynamic, but it's not. But then what about the well, case there's, there's where they're both in a BDSM unhealthy, and someone is exploiting the other person? Yeah. Right. Because right. there can How be unhealthy BDSM sure. relationships. Yeah. And um, the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom is an organization that is around to advocate for kink folk. Um, and on their website is a list of like, what is BDS? It literally is called BDSM versus abuse. Mm-hmm. And it talks about like, if you can't, establish boundaries if you can't um talk to anybody about your relationship if you um can't have boundaries around safer sex protocols like those are symptoms of an abusive relationship if they ever bypass the safe word right Right. major thing like that's not again not respecting boundaries Mm -hmm. and so i had this conversation recently there was somebody who passed away in the kink community um who was in a power dynamic Mm -hmm. and it's there's a lot of indications that it was not a healthy situation and what i wrote was all abusive relationships look the same they have the same beats it Mm. is 
you can tell unhealthy power dynamics are at play, they leave a mark behind them. Whereas healthy relationships are phenomenal and amazing in their diversity. You know how people will have their own little language between couples or partners. They'll have like their little rituals. They'll have their little trip. Every healthy relationship will look totally different. Abusive relationships look and feel the same. Interesting. And in what way, if you can elucidate it, what? How so? Like, what is the Those, mark? The well, so and here's the thing that confuses a lot of people in BDSM and outside of it. Yeah, everything is a power dynamic. This is a power dynamic right now, which sure. is why I love talking with people because it's all. I will see. That's the thing. <laughs> it's not about who. For me, oh, okay. it's like we're sharing power back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But if I walk into this, whether aware or not, that mm. I want this to be a power dynamic, and I keep trying to like dominate you right that too is a power dynamic (laughs) yeah but ideally a healthy version would be hey i want to talk about these things i want you to ask me questions in a certain way so i'd be topping you in that way i want to have the energy and then share it back and forth and bounce back and forth right right we negotiate we talk about it where and we're both enjoying what's happening (laughs) versus what happens everywhere else in most of our lives which are untalked about power dynamics this is yeah. this is not just restricted to like BDSM or poly. This is like how are we interact with our moms and our dads oh, and our siblings and our bosses and our peers. Like what's happening at the head of the United States right now? Like sure. this is all a power dynamic. Yes, and affecting people's need for therapy, I imagine. <laughs> oh, there's been a spike, let me tell you. But Do if we talked about yeah, yeah no, the, the short answer is so as many a sex more. Therapists, people come in and go, Trump, man, Trump. He is really? messing with my sex life. Oh, really? Absolutely. I can't get Absolutely. Wet. Trump. <laughs> Seriously, some people are just like, we feel, and to be very serious, I feel traumatized. Like him being president and what's happening um, is bringing up my own stuff. And so I don't feel necessarily safe interacting with my partner. I've seen that. Mm. I've seen people who are just so anxious that they can't relax sure. and just be with their partner. Like it is very real, and that Jen if you're trans, or definitely dealing with the, the climate change piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know the logic, which is sound, that mm-hmm. people say, right? But the best thing you could do for the future is raise kids who do believe in the climate change. But at the same time, or I'm definitely could, fall prey to like that kind of. But I do. I want to create a life right. that might live through. The Massive apocalypse. famine where half the world dies and there's World War Three. Right. Do like, I want and to know that when I made the choice to bring them into this world, I it, knew that might happen. Right. It seems right. like such a shitty move. <laughs> Literally, if the child is like, I didn't ask to be born and this you, is what she And I would have to be like, I know. You're right. <laughs> like, good point. <laughs> I knew it might suck for you, but I wanted a little baby. <laughs> like, I wanted a cute little baby. <laughs> and now, like, we have to feast on it. It's like soiling green and like, oh, my God. Right, yeah. So it's so sex. One of the things I love about being a sex therapist is sex is everything. It is economics. Yeah. It is politics. It is physiology, neurology, history. It's everything. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to somebody about sex long enough, I know them. And that is fascinating. Let me ask this. And this now I'm like, <laughs> this is too revealing of myself. Uh. Um, it waxes and wanes, but I'm starting to suspect, despite the fact that I had a very adventurous sex life early in my life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't have as high a sex drive as your average man, but it's confusing because it might just Bring be that, yes. that I don't have as high a sex drive as 
men are supposed to have as dictated by television. Thank um, you. But, that, yeah, yeah. that, because I cannot tell you how many men come to me thinking like, uh, my my penis isn't a normal size. My sex drive oh. isn't normal. And I'm like, okay, where did you get these normal ideas? And usually it's from television or porn or the bad jokes or whatever. The average, and to me, why are we striving for average? Because average when it comes to sex is, there is no average. There really, there is right, not. Right, because how do you quantify something that's so qualitatively different right. in every case? Right, right. Um, there is what works for you, your rhythm. Yeah, but there we, can be a lot of shame Jen about and I that. started judging our relationship when, like, everything was great, mm-hmm. but like there was no other problem other than a, we asked each other, "Are we supposed to break up because we're not having sex X amount?" Right, for X a period amount. of time, right. right, for X amount of time for and we X amount of frequency. Like, well, so and so in that show says they have sex five times a month we should aim for that you know, right, right. It's it was, like, right we're looking for this like outside in right, yeah. to like that's what we should pattern ourselves and i'm mm-hmm. like no if both people aren't um content with the frequency because they are not content with mm-hmm. it then come to me let me support you in like figuring out what will work but there's no like okay one time a day is like normal and less than that means you're like right, you a sad deviant a and like right bring me the chart right how many times do you have sex this week Ooh. like oh we're gonna have to go in for surgery I'll like you, stop I, it i got my testosterone checked so many guys do a because my wife at the time constantly emasculated me in subtle ways but b Make because feel, right. she was like saying you should want to have sex more often than you do and it's and like, i was like i did when i was 19 and then it faded yeah and now i want to have sex this amount right and she was like that's weird that's not enough she's wrong <laughs> yeah well, i know that like now. sometimes I, I, I will not make bones about, to this right, to know that to too. know that yeah. that is wrong there is the frequency that you were interested when you were 19 and it's going to change in your 20s it's going to change in your 30s and you know what if your stress level drops right. for a particular decade you might find your sex drive booming again yes in your yes. 40s you know like right. it's whatever yeah right. it really there's it so will take factors. on its own pattern there's so many factors yeah. and so figuring and because that is what i see that desire discrepancy of mm-hmm. oh i want it x amount of times and then what society does is oh if you read as a woman it should look this way. You're supposed to not want it enough or I'm supposed to convince you or something like that. Oh yeah, I know. And like then men. Sight. Well, I'm in my early 30s now. Mm-hmm. Have you heard like the magazine statistics? Oh my God. Like, That's please, supposed please to be people stop, puberty. Stop getting like, our sex advice <gasps> from magazines. She's like, we I'm need supposed to, stop to be that. horny as hell because I'm... In my early 30. And it's like, that's the female puberty. And I'm like, I guess I read that on Cosmo one time. Which which is a great source of (laughs) empirically supported, high quality, nuanced reporting. I will say one thing is in their article where they give sex tips that are always the same 10 sex tips every time, they do always mention play with his nipples. So, like, at least they got that. They're writing hard for men's nipples. They got that memo, yeah. I but we it, we just started selling T-shirts. I really want one now that says "I ride hard for men's nipples." <laughs> I would Audience, buy that. Tell us if I you'd would buy, buy that shirt. Yeah. I would totally buy that. Men's nipples and like <laughs> sad men's nipples crying like they need more <laughs> attention. Like yeah, <laughs> that's a shirt right there. I mean, it's and I and I 
because I also work with a variety of people, not just mm-hmm. like straight cis couples, but um, gender nonconforming folk, trans folk, um, lesbian couples. Like there's just a huge range. And what I keep running into is most of us are trapped by ideas around gender and ideas around mm. what sex is supposed to look like. Almost everybody, no matter their orientation, no matter their yeah. gender, is having to grapple with that. And that's that's really the work that I want to do, is undo right. that. Find your sexuality. I personally believe everything is a spectrum. Like, I don't think there mm-hmm. exists anything in the universe that is not a spectrum. Right. So right. sexuality and gender are obviously spectra. Right. Like, um, mm-hmm. so, but we're still developing the language for me to say this the correct way. But what I want to ask is, yeah, so when you're working with uh, L- people who I self-identify as LGBTQIA, NB, anyone who feels like, there's scant little storytelling that taught me how to feel about my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find the practice different or the same as like a vanilla mm. person coming in? Like, I'm wondering if it takes on an aspect of helping navigate why I'm a, why I'm oppressed and like minimized by society mm-hmm. versus a straight dude just might be like, how do I? break the idea of anal with my partner right that's that's so different than why is my sexuality not accepted by the society in which i live right like the depth of um, what they're struggling with in the context i'm sorry in retrospect how did that sex therapist get bored it's so it's already i'm like i can think of a million different questions and cases yeah right that's (laughs) and and when when that person said that i in the back of my head i was like I won't probably be referring anybody. You're not paying attention you. then. Yeah. Right, you're not paying attention. Because I will tell you, like when I worked at the, the, so I worked at the Pleasure Chest and a couple of other places and it got boring at one point and then it stopped being boring. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you're, you're working eight hours a day on your feet and you, you get asked the same questions. That is a job where you get asked the same question. Where are the condoms? What are the lubes? Why Vibrator. does anybody need lube? Yeah. What are these toys? Like you get a lot of... And I remember thinking at one point I was so bored with people asking the same questions that mm-hmm. I literally just answered five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking either I'm going to start to hate this, hate this work and hate these clients, or I need to fall in love with it's new for them. Yeah, I may have answered this question 20 times today, but it's new for them. And can I fall in love with that it's new for them? And no. everything changed for me after that. That's everything such changed. a universal skill that has everything to do with everything like not just sex (laughs) therapy and yet also so applicable during sex Mm -hmm. being mindful and present yes makes you fall in love with the present moment like right over and over again what am i gonna find this time i've come to over and over again in my life is let the present moment unfold like a gift and like it will always deliver (laughs) it will it'll never be exactly what you thought it'll be something you can never have even imagined like bitter tragedy but if you're open to the experience your life will still be a rich tapestry of emotion which is something yes which at the end of the day is everything instead of just being a tapestry of like thoughts about the future and ruminating on the past right so you're never actually into yeah yeah and sex really at its best is people are always how do i be a great lover how to be a great Mm -hmm. lover da 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 and um be in your body and allow the other person to be in their body yeah breathe look at each other 
and keep being in the present moment and stay curious. Yeah. That's how you be a great lover. And it's never just technique. It's absolutely. never like the particular position. Casanova no. cleaned up because he fell deeply in love with all the different women he was with <laughs> because he was intensely curious about them. How yeah. does your body work? How does it smell? How does it sound? How does mm -hmm. it taste? Mm -hmm. That's erotic. I agree. Okay, so wait, before we get off track. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you when you work with trans people mm -hmm. or uh, intergender people or asexual people, mm -hmm. have you had an asexual client? I have it's fairly um, rare, but well, no, there's actually a really um, like grayscale is one phrase that people use asexual to demisexual. Sure. Um, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about how asexuality or yes, demisexuality I'm functions. I'm totally ignorant. Um, yeah. And a lot, like a lot of it, uh, and I had to learn, and this is again what's exciting about sex, I am still learning. I mm -hmm. know a bunch, and I could never know even close to everything, but I'm getting better at questions. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of misconceptions, like asexual people never have sexual interest, or they never have sex, and there are some where that's true, and then there's others who do have sex, and who do experience sexual attraction, and they might experience it just for themselves, or they might not choose to act on it. Mm -hmm. So there's all these, again, variations and spectrums of what seems simple. And like, it's not, food is not simple, mm -hmm. art is not simple, sexuality is not simple. Yeah. And I just, I want people to keep, um, keep that in mind. How do you deal with, because I know Jen, I believe even took some training in transference and dealing with transference, uh -huh, uh -huh. which if you're, uh, unfamiliar with the word is the idea of, and I can see why, like it's never happened to me, but I get it. <laughs> if you're in a really low point in your life, and I mean this is set of traditional therapy, and you go to a therapist and they happen to be whatever gender you're attracted to, and let's say they're the only person in your life at this time, at this dark time, that's like nice and right. seems non-judgmental and caring, you get a crush on them. <laughs> right. And they have to like curtail that because it's just, they're just doing that because you paid them to. That's what they do. Um, I imagine that's got to be a special hazard with sex I mean, therapy, or am I wrong? Like, yeah, is that well, a misconception? Yeah, well, I taught um, a class recently called do The Erotics of Sex Therapy. Pushing boundaries with you, and you have to go, this I wouldn't is say, the role. Like, this pushing, is my role. I've never had anybody like push a boundary in a way that made me um, feel either physically unsafe or, have or to set the boundary. Right, in a really yeah. like, harsh, like, dude, no, damn. Okay, like, good. I've never, that's, that's never happened. Um, but I think it's because I create an open enough room for all the permutations that are going to happen between two people. Mm -hmm. And when I did that class, the erotics of sex therapy, it was because we are talking about we are talking about sex, two people in a room. How can that not engender this feeling of eros and this feeling of sexuality right, right, right. explicitly? I mean, come on. Yeah. And so learning for a therapist to learn how to. Um, how to flow with that and mm -hmm. then how to use that in a way that's beneficial for the client is because um, there is a way to do that and that's what right. I do. And even right now, like I don't ascribe it to like sexual attention, but yeah, mm -hmm. there's a feeling of almost that you'd have as a little kid where I'm like, Jamil's coming over. We're, we're going to talk about, about kuhas right. and <laughs> right. I don't usually talk about that. Right. There's yeah. an inherently, <laughs> right. what I call, like, eras, there's inherently an excitement when of we like, start talking about sex. Exactly. One, because it is so hidden, and two, because, like, for most of us, sex is this energetic, interesting thing. Yeah, hardwired. So, yeah. Right, for many of us. And so um, there's definitely been times where a client expressed, like, sexual interest, um, 
when I will, if they can understand it as that's completely normal and healthy mm-hmm. and nothing's going to come of that. <laughs> right. And you're not going to, um, again, use unhealthy power dynamics and try to push towards that. Then I can completely work with that. Right. 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 But I've definitely had, you're allowed uh, to express that solely right. as a thought. Right. To you, that's as a fine. normal, healthy yeah, expression. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and then I've definitely had a couple of, um, who did not become clients because I kiboshed it. Men who mm. contacted me of like, Oh, I really want to work with you. And like, you seem like the right person for me because, like I really love black women and I want to end like and then they're off and running and I'm like you're not paying me five dollars a minute for this so sure, I'm hanging yeah. up gotcha so very quickly I had to get good at deciphering each additional minute exactly yeah. exactly um so yeah but that I want people to experience um and even like when we were talking about power dynamics like I'm just I'm gonna call it out for the audience your face was getting red and I think oh, is my, it? oh yeah That's when we're funny. talking about power dynamics I don't feel at least not on a high conscious level like I don't feel embarrassed but Good. I believe you <laughs> and like but to me there is always and the redness isn't and this hey people when you're trying to do sex therapy I can't say, oh, your face was red because. Oh, right, And so often that's what we do. Oh, your tone is this, your body's doing this, so it must be that. Mm -hmm. Instead of just going with the observation. Your face got red, which told me there was some shift in their physiology. Right, but then you have to ask, so what's your emotional state right Right. now? Maybe it's worth unpacking, maybe not. Right. And all I could read is some level of like adjustment or excitement. That's it. After yeah. that, I don't know. That could be anxiety. Excitement I'll is anxiety. I'll introspect later about that at three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I say that all to say that um, this is that power dynamics are happening all the time and talking about bodies is inherently mm. exciting. Yeah. And if we learn to get more fluent in it, then we can ride the excitement in a way that's ethical, in a way that's yummy for both yeah. people. How... Sorry to keep. I mean, we'll pre- we could do another episode because I love talking about so, sex. I get to talk about sex all the time. This is I love it. Evolving into or evolving into. There you go. Usually, my questions like build off each other, but there's so many questions, I'm just spinning the dial. <laughs> so another one would be good. Sex is cyclical. You mentioned there you go. You mentioned uh, a rise in polyamory or clients who are poly are asking about poly issues. Mm-hmm. Uh. A, to what do you attribute that rise, if anything? Mm. But I think more my more sincere question is, B, uh, what's your advice for someone who wants to try that and have it work out? Mm. Because mm. as everyone who has like a, a large group of liberal Hollywood friends, I know a fair <laughs> share of people in poly relationships, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. minority of them Are find actually... stability. Right, um, right. And I'm a believer right. in like, just because you didn't get married and have kids and stay together for the rest of your life, it's weird how people say, well, that relationship failed. I've met people where it's like, but you were together for eight years and you learned deep truths about yourself. Right, about yourself and the other person. And they're like, like right, but we are still alive and not married. So it doesn't mean it failed. So right. I'm not calling all poly relationships a fall apart a failure either. But at the same time, I have to recognize everyone going into a poly relationship is trying to conquer jealousy that's been the idea of jealousy ingrained in us Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the minority of people i know are able to do that actually well i would say like the problems around um or the challenges around 
open relationships. And actually, I'm going to take a step back. Mm -hmm. At this point, I only talk in terms of ethical non-monogamy because that covers swingers, that covers people who identify as polyamorous, it covers um, people in the BDSM community who have multiple partners, Mm -hmm. Um, it covers don't ask, don't tell, it covers uh, people who are in mono-polyamorous relationships. So what I'm interested in supporting people to do is have ethical non-monogamous relationships. so what when you're trying to do that you are up against like a hundred plus years of some of the best propaganda ever every song every movie mm-hmm. every card i'm sorry lifetime or, or hallmark yeah. channel like so much is arrayed against you mm-hmm. um the legal like the laws of this country are arrayed against you so you're already starting off really like under some significant pressure and you expect a relationship to thrive under like Mm -hmm. you know the crushing weight of all of that so it's not a surprise that a lot of them don't make it yeah um i think the ones that do there's usually um a variety of supports there's multiple people in the person's lives it's not just the two people or the three people trying to do it they have people in their life who are supporting Mm -hmm. um the relationship and their growth. Um, and you've got to learn. It's really, a, it's its own culture and its own language. I did not, when I went to Paris, I did not go, I'm going to go there and I will speak fluently today. Mm-hmm. Like it took the entire time I was there to even somewhat get acclimated. Yeah. And people want poly or ethical non-monogamous relationships to work just like that. And sometimes it's not even the jealousy that people are struggling with. It's, um, there's all kinds of, self-knowledge that's there to learn sometimes jealousy is it sometimes insecurity about um your own place in things sometimes our own relational patterns from our families of origin sometimes like oh i didn't realize that when i'm really stressed even if i'm happy i show up like this that's Mm -hmm. not jealousy Mm -hmm. that's just like oh a lot of like attention or hyper um a lot of stuff going on in my life makes me act in these ways i get more snappish or whatever so there's all these different challenges that come with it and the possibilities and why i think people are trying it is because there's so much there's so much possibility in other humans yeah and to restrict sexuality or deep care to only one person when we're learning that there's so much in the world um, and we're living longer that a lot of people I think they're like I want a variety of experiences in all dimensions of my life and that's not to say that monogamy doesn't offer that what I want for monogamous folk is Mm -hmm. for them too to understand you have the choice so many choices are you deeply living each of those choices are you choosing your partner over and over again are you staying curious or are you just like oh I'm on the people mover of relationship and so that was the value for me and having even sexual experiences that weren't enjoyable to me in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. But like now I know, and it does provide Mm -hmm. a great sense of peace. Like Mm -hmm. I know that I'm built to, in some way, prefer monogamy to poly. Yeah. So like, I'll never have to wonder about that again, which I enjoy. Right. And like from my handful of gay experiences, Mm -hmm. which I sort of went for after my own father came out. Mm -hmm. And again, because of my knowledge of how propaganda and conditioning works, Mm -hmm. My question for myself was, is it possible you're gay and don't even know it or have the feelings because you won't allow yourself to? Mm. So I 
like went out of my way to have a few gay experiences. And to Mm -hmm. me, it like made me realize that there's aspects I can enjoy, but I'm largely straight on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it was just Mm -hmm. to me, what I think is interesting is a lot of people hear that and be like, you had kinds of sex that you're not. That's crazy. Like if you're yes, gay, I've tried foods that were not gay, my typical. You had foods sex with like. a woman, but you knew right. you were gay. Why would you do that? And it's like, like I don't know, because there's a lot of stuff to do in life. You can yeah. try a lot and be yeah. like, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah glad yeah. I tried that. I like maybe I'll try that again. Maybe I won't. That's but how I feel about blowing dudes. <laughs> right. I'm just like okay. Glad I like, tried it a couple times. Right. And I'm yeah. good for now. Like and good that. For now. Right. I'm good for now. Like, and again, it's that thing keep of like, it, keep either, it warm. Maybe right, I'll be back. Right, right. <laughs> keep it on like 200. So yeah, it doesn't yeah. Semi chubbed up <laughs> for the next 25 years in case I change my Just mind. Just a constant <laughs> chub, <laughs> like semi chub. <laughs> and it's like, what would our sex lives be like? And, and particularly for cis men, if we understood that sexuality is fluid and that, um, having sex with the same gender or similar gender mm-hmm just means you had sex with somebody of the same gender, similar. That's what it means. It might provide a facet of knowledge about your sexual identity, yeah. but it doesn't mean, oh, you're in that category now. Right. You did that. Right. <laughs> yes. Now you are. And a I lot see of people a lo- seem to think that way. Yes. Think, so. And I see a lot of straight women, sadly enough, who like, oh, my boyfriend wants me to play with his ass. He must be gay. And it's like, oh, my. no, that's still out there. Someone, I can't, still out there. Someone just tweeted and it went viral that like it's a sin to blow your husband as a straight woman because you're engaging in a gay act <laughs> to like, me that just made oh, it you, all the hotter you suck your husband's dick right. what are you a lesbian you- <laughs> like, that's insane <laughs> what is the logic there it's a very interesting <laughs> logic to say yeah, the least yeah. like now now blowjobs just took on a whole other oh no. my god so much fun <laughs> but it's but these ideas right that like yeah that are in people's heads that are keeping them from pleasure, from connection, from exploring their possibilities and the possibilities of other people. And even just freedom from shame, like even forget pleasure. Like mm-hmm. just the fact to not that have so that. many sexual activities where no one is hurt and everyone consents right. make people feel guilt and shame. Can we at least just strip that out? You right. Know? Yeah, for and sure. And that, that is so much of my work yeah. is what are your principles and if your principles are, um, for me, my principles are around, you know, and most people, if you ask them, like, what what ethical code do you live by? Mm-hmm. Sadly enough, a lot of people can't say. And to me, oh. I think it's actually really important that you know when times are tough, what you stand for. Yeah. And that you weave that into your life. And people are always shocked as a therapist. I'm not terribly different talking with you mm. than I am in the room with my clients, okay. than I am when I'm out, because I am guided by my particular yeah. ethical code. And that means boundaries are important to me, no mm. matter where I am. That means consent is important to yeah. me. Negotiation, fun and pleasure are all important to me. Full disclosure, I am interviewing Jamila through a hole in a sheet, but <laughs> she insisted upon. It's a very, it's, it's got lace. Boundaries is written on it. I, right. And so, <laughs> but like, in lipstick. Right, because so that just like makes, makes it. messages, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That makes it all the... See, everybody? It's really... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a professional comedian, so I got to fudge with the boundaries a little bit. <laughs> Which is its own interesting thing, right? Like, Oh, my gosh. Well, well, all the comedy writers I know who care about other human beings in mm-hmm. a genuine way mm-hmm. are trying to navigate as, of course, offense is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And you can't mm-hmm. really be a working comedian without at some point putting your foot in your mouth 
mm-hmm. and having someone in the audience be really hurt and telling you, and you have to just go, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. Right. Maybe I shouldn't have said that joke. Mm-hmm. And there's comedians on the side of no com- comedians born to say whatever. Right. And comedians on the side of like, of course I don't make a rape joke or a, you know, sexual exploitation joke, but mm-hmm. what if I make a joke about the time I broke my arm? And someone in the front row just broke their arm that day, and it's really true. Like, you know, you well, see, I think there has anything to be you say could specifically hurt, hurt someone in the audience. Well, here's what I love Where's about... Where's the line of, like, love and comedy? Know, right? Because I didn't... It's These weird. I think a lot of comedians think they became comedians to piss people off. Yeah. I became a comedian to make as many people as happy at once as possible. Which feels actually very, like, old school, actually. <laughs> right. I'm just like, oh, my God, that's, but, like, vaudeville level. But what's like, weird about comedy is... It is like also become, based on taboo. Right. So surprising people by pushing the taboo can give them this sense of eros right. and joy right. and fill and the room with a, like that same feeling of we're yes. excited, we're titillated. Yes. So how do you get people into that space where they feel a little drunk on the community and I think that's a great open way to, put to it. laugh? Right, at these things that they wouldn't normally... When you know that mentioning taboo topics and then you get com- a comedian like Louis C.K., where all he does is mention wow. taboo topics, and then it turns out he's a fucking predator right. walking the earth, right. and makes you feel like well, that's the thing. He where is the soul of loving comedy? It's very interesting. And I actually think that's a. I would listen to somebody talk about like loving comedy and what they think that means. Mm-hmm. Um, I think smart comedians, just like the Shakespearean fool, they told the truth and they were understanding that there is a system at play. Mm-hmm boring comics just talk about like oh my god there was this jelly like jelly peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it was so annoying to make and the bread just went (laughs) i'm like you that the like but the brilliant ones the ones who elated us and the ones that we deeply miss are the ones who fucked with us around systems because they understood there was one and i think and there was something bigger that they were aiming powerful systems right always punching up versus punching down is of course a great rule of thumb in the sense that right you can be titillated by the fact that the taboo is, can he say that? Can mm-hmm. he question right. the can very question foundational the, nature of society? Of what we do? Yeah, yeah. Right. And of those are the ones we remember. For granted? Yeah. Right. So there's your short, short answer. Oh, this has been so delightful. <laughs> We're way over out of time. That's not true. We're 60 seconds over out of time. <laughs> it's like an eon. I'm going to wrap it up anyway. So, well, I plan to go on at length for the introduction to this episode. So it'll probably be a pretty long episode when it's all (laughs) said and done. I've been meaning to talk about my sexual odyssey for a long time. So that's going to be this episode. Yeah. Did you get a little bit of that in? Well, I know. Well, that's what I'm saying is it'll all be saved for the intro. Excellent. Which the listeners already heard because as we discussed beforehand, we didn't want to put you on the spot of doing anything while we're talking. (laughs) That resembles a session. Right. Because then you would be broadcasting a therapy session. And that could, which that's, is could get weird. Boundaries. Right. right. Um, but I did a little poking at you, a like bit. somatically. But no, if you want to hear all the juicy stuff, you're going to have to listen intro. like everyone else. Awesome. <laughs> ooh, ooh, topping from the other side. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Gives you a reason to listen to this episode. Uh, well, well, thank you. Jimmy Lee, you're just a Such fabulous a guest. Thank you for being out there doing wonderful work. More people should be sex therapists. Sounds fun and very useful to society. That's the goal. All That's right. The goal. Thank you so, so much. Oh, people can find me at my website, jamiladawson.com or on Instagram at Jamila D Sex Therapy.
This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!